Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Drolet. And together we form Linden Boulevard. Represent, represent. You must know what that's from. Yeah. <laughs> that look on your face just then was amazing. It's Tribe Called Quest again. I really should write that name down. Yeah. It's three in a row. If you forget it then on the fourth one, because I'm already going to tell you it's going to be a Tribe reference. I've just decided that's the theme. Then you're fired. You Called it. Quest. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, so, what are we up to? I don't know how you can read that, but... It's left-handed, Chris. <laughs> okay. So, this is episode, or part three, of the common sense versus common practice conversation. Um, it's common sense that you shouldn't eat chicken wings and drink beer if you're trying to climb hard but our common practice is we just ate chicken wings and drank beer um so yeah there's that yeah i mean practice what you preach and we're talking about how there's a difference so <laughs> it's true living proof and part three we're talking about generalization versus specialization and i was just thinking is generalization the right word or is or would diversification be better? Ooh, I think I kind of like diversification. Yeah, I do too. So, generalization kind of has the whole jack of all trades, master of right, none feel to it. Right. And none of us are ice climbing. Yeah. 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 So diversification. Yes. In all rock climbing styles and, and beyond. We'll, we'll and talk beyond. about beyond too. Um, and actually, this is kind of a big topic in the world of training kids like it's a massive topic right oh, yeah. now that people early are, specialization in sport yeah and it's funny if I, it feels like people are arguing about it but they're all kind of saying the same thing so i don't know if they're actually arguing uh, i mean i think that honestly goes right back to common practice versus common sense like anyone who is speaking about it is saying early specialization in sport is detrimental to kids yeah on Pretty much all sports. Like, yeah, there are, and for a lot of reasons. Yes, for lots of reasons. There are very few exceptions, like women's gymnastics, where they have, you know... Their performance window is when they're 13. Yes, you know, they peak by 15. Right. Like, and that's the end. Like, okay, you got to specialize early because right. the career's over so soon. And even then, I don't think anyone's arguing that it's... Still detrimental. Still detrimental to them as humans. Yeah, when you have, <laughs> but, like, low back stress fractures at 16 years old. Yeah. And, you know, those not only are kids specifically, and I don't want to talk too much about kids in general, but not only are kids more at risk of injury and risk of burnout when they're specializing really early, but a study after study has shown that they have a better chance of being more athletic 
and performing better in their sports if they don't specialize early. Mm-hmm. Multi-sport they, athletes. Right, exactly. So, um, so I think that is a really great case for adults diversifying as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to become more athletic if you do more different types of movement and and you risk not getting injured. Yeah. So not getting injured and getting the most bang for your buck out of things. Um, as far as, you know, if you try and mine one single avenue for as much value as possible, then you're leaving a lot on the table. Yep. Yeah, totally. Are there times when you think specializing is a good idea? Uh, <clears throat> yes. Like, definitely. I mean, if we're looking at the broad sense of, so specialization in a sport itself, if we were looking back at the youth example, means that you are spending more than eight months of a year in that sport. That is what like the technical term sport specialization means. Okay. Um, Dan John argues that if, if once you specialize, if you're not, what he says is pretty much if you're not world-class within, I think he said three years, then you're not going to be. Right. Um, which, you know, some people might, think of that as like kind of a harsh truth. Um, but he also says like, you know, that's post specialization, which means, yeah, you may have been doing the sport for 10 years, but you're now saying, this is what my life is. This is what I'm doing. Right. And I'm all out. And so for some people, there is a time to go 100% full bore specialization because that's what it's going to take for them to hit their peak in their youth. You know, if you're in certain sports where being between 21 and 24 is like the time, then yeah, specialization all the way. Yeah. I mean, don't wait till the dad bod shows up yeah. to try and specialize in bouldering. Not going to work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree. And I think if you're, you know, in Dan John's example, he's obviously talking about people who are professional athletes and have made that their life, their career. Um, climbers are a little bit different probably than most of his um the people that he coaches because it's also a hobby. It's a, it's a, you know, a recreation. It's, it's a lifestyle to use the cliched word. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of us know we're never going to be world-class and that's okay with us. Um, should we still be specializing? So this is tough with climbing because I mean, it's kind of multifaceted. One, it's really easy to overdo climbing. And the reason for that is it's fun. Like, Mm -hmm. man, if I could climb seven days a week, I would. Like, I am jealous when I hear about Alex Magos going sport climbing hard for like 25 days in a row. And then, you know, climbing like two 9As on day 26. I'm like, that's (laughs) awesome. I would would fully settle to pull back an entire number grade if I could do the same thing. Like, that would be rad. You don't have to be jealous of his yellow shirt anymore, though. I've got my mega shirt. You've got your mega shirt. And he knows shirt. it. <laughs> I'm on him. Um, I could see the jealousy in his face when yeah. he saw your yellow he shirt. He was envious. He yeah. saw the power company logo. Yeah. And he was like, all I've got is this Patagonia shirt. Yeah. And the other 7,000 that they've sent me. <laughs> um, and so the other thing that's really tough, and this is where comparing other sports gets difficult, is, you know, let's look at like football. It's if you look at something like that, a career doesn't last very long. Like an NFL career is, I think, on average, like 
what four or five years it might not even be that long short it, super short yeah um you can like i won't say the body can withstand that but like if you try and take a career in the nfl and you were to try to span it out to be like yeah you know i'm a lifer when it comes to the <laughs> nfl i'm gonna keep doing this till i'm in my 60s yeah it's like uh no you're not you're going to throw this football over that mountain yeah but it's yeah. just like what we expect out of ourselves from climbing, like I'm going to climb year around until I'm, until I die. Like that is what a lot of people want to do. Right. Totally. And it's like no other sport <clears throat> does the sport year around, much less do they try and push, keep continually pushing their limits into older age. So that's hard. Like that's, it's really hard demand on your body and uh, gets a double whammy if it's a lot of fun. So it's, I think specialization, like over-specialization and climbing itself can be detrimental in the long run. What do you mean by over-specialization? Um, I think if you try to perform in one specific facet or if you try to develop a single facet too much. So gotcha. this could be anything from developing finger strength to like just bouldering on crimps or, I mean... Yeah, just picking one specific thing. Like if you try, even if you tried to just do endurance routes year around oh, yeah. at max level for like, you know, X amount of years, like you're going to blow up your elbows, your shoulders. Yep, totally. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, regardless of what it is, too much, too much of anything is a bad thing. Do you think you should ever specialize for a short time for any reason? Totally. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you've got a goal and that's what it takes, like get it done. Yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, what does diversification look like in rock climbing? Does that mean, or does it mean all the things? Track it climbing. Mean, it should never look like track climbing. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, actually, I think it should. I think that's a, I think that is an important part of climbing, and I think everyone can learn a lot from it. Um, since you brought it up though, we're just going to go ahead and go there. Um, <clears throat> I do think trad climbers are the most susceptible to specializing. I'd agree with that. And at least in the three major, you know, bouldering, sport climbing, trad climbing. The of, disciplines. Yeah. Of those three disciplines, I think trad climbers are the most susceptible to this problem. And I don't know exactly why it is. For me, it was a strange ethical um, immaturity, I guess, in that I thought I was this ethical giant, and in reality I was this ethical midget who was just very close-minded, and that led to being strictly a crack climber. Like, face holds are off. You know, <laughs> literally. Oh, man. And and that just led to me getting really, really weak at rock climbing. You know, I was, I was probably a lot physically stronger back then than I am now, but I'm about a thousand times better rock climber now than I was back then. Mm -hmm. And we've seen it over and over and over where a good sport climber or a good boulder decides, oh, I'm going to go trad climbing. And all of a sudden, they're climbing at the top level of drag climbing. Yeah, it turns out just pulling a cam trigger isn't that hard. Yeah, and you don't see that many trad climbers switch to bouldering and suddenly become V14 boulders. 
Have you ever seen it? Like someone who started trad. I mean, you could look back in the days of like Jerry Moffat, but I mean, that was because <clears throat> gear climbing was all there was. Right, exactly. Like, but someone who started off climbing gear, I, I can't really think of too many. There aren't too many, um, especially nowadays. Yeah. When it was part of the natural progression of this is all we have, now we have the availability of we're, we're learning what bouldering is and bolts are getting put in, you know, then it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but nowadays, crack climbers becoming master boulders or climbing 515 sport after they've climbed hard trad i don't see it happening all that often maybe it has yeah i don't know i don't know what nick berry started as if he started as a gear climber yeah, i don't know either i don't know but enough he, about nick's background but he's but he's as he's diversified or as it seems that he's diversified in recent years he's gotten stronger oh yeah no, he's seems. he's a great all-around climber yeah um, totally but just, mason earl's the same way Mason's a strong climber in several disciplines, though I did just see a picture of him in Waco on an off whip. Really? Come on, Mason. I didn't even do that when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you know, these guys are good mm-hmm. at rock climbing, period. But they are diversifying more than we think they are. Yes. And those are still, I mean, we just kind of racked our brains for a full minute there. And those are the two best examples we could think of. Yeah. So it's not like there's this laundry list of trad gone boulder. Right. Exactly. And there are lots of guys like Sonny Trotter, who was a sport climber. He's done Cobra crack. You know, Ethan Pringle, sport climber. He's done Cobra crack. Saeed Bellage. Yeah. Who's, I just got mm-hmm. to climb with down in Waco. Yeah. Um, five fifteen climber went out, did Cobra crack. Yeah. So there's, a pretty long list that's pretty easy to come up with who climbed as sport, as boulder, embraced trad climbing, and excelled at it. Um, Trad climbers tend to, and I'm sorry for all you trad climbers out there who (laughs) hate me right now, but the fact is more trad climbers feel like they should be sticking to trad to get better at trad, and I think that's a mistake. You know, I've gone back and climbed 12 plus 13 minus trad in a couple of tries since I became a better sport climber. Whereas before that would be a season long project. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> so that's, I feel like a fairly broad, um, example of what specialization looks like. You know, we look at the three disciplines and are you diversifying between the three? Um, so let's dig into what some really specific examples would look like. Um, specific examples of specializing. Yes. So for me, the thing that really kind of brought a lot of this up was, um, people who pick one single like facet towards whether that's like sports performance or just general performance in general. Like I'm a steep climber or. I'm a um, compression nu- climber. Like nutrition. Okay. Something like that to where you say like... Oh, something to focus on for their development. Yeah. For their... Gotcha. Much okay. better word. Um, yeah. So I think it's fair to say like if you have good nutrition, like that's going to benefit you. Like it's going to make you a healthier person. You're going to be able to perform better. This sure. is great. It's a, it's a cornerstone for sure of everyone's successful progression and training plan absolutely however i feel like 
the two that jump out to me the most are stretching and nutrition. Mm-hmm. The two people, the people that like are into nutrition are fucking into nutrition. Like that <laughs> like, is like, it's a religion. Yeah. Man, I would rather talk religion over nutrition a lot yeah. of times. Um, oh, and, yeah, every day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, they take it to such an extreme. Like there's this idea of 80, 20, you look at what is the 20% of things that do eight, that give you 80% of the effect. And they put, instead they do 80% of their time into the thing that gives them 20% of an effect. Right. Um, and I feel like stretching kind of almost gets a bad rap because we look at the people who are really flexible because of the zealots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like all we see are the extremists for the most part are the people who like, it's like, oh yeah, they stretch like 90 minutes or two hours a day and they can do a split in every direction, but they can tie themselves in a knot, but they're not powerful at all. So we immediately associate flexibility with being weak. Right. And same thing, like a lot of times with nutrition to just with these sort of extremists to where it's like, okay, we get it. Like I'm not allowed to have vegetable oils when I cook my food. (laughs) Like, oh, cool. Like whenever- olives a vegetable? Uh, I don't. Or are they, is that a fruit oil? Uh, is that is it such a, fruit, a thing? Are there fruit oils? What's <laughs> a coconut? Know. Is coconut a vegetable? Is that a nut? It's not a nut. Oh, God damn it. I don't know. Um, but I mean like, yeah, it's like these things get taken to such an extreme to where it's like, oh, so-and-so is walking in the gym. Hey, just as a warning, don't talk about like animal-based products. Uh, no reason. <laughs> just don't do it unless you want to get like cornered. Don't you know. mention gluten. Don't mention gl- Yes, exactly. But- so to me, specialization is people who pick this one thing. And this could be hangboarding. This yeah. could be endurance work. This could yeah. be building a pyramid. Like mm-hmm. it could be anything, but mm. anything taken to its complete extreme with disregard for everything else. Yeah. Like endurance training. Like endurance training. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't know anything about that. Huh. Um, yeah, I agree. I think, I think the zealotry of that sort of approach a does give it a bad rap and B sort of traps you into having to uphold it. That's a great point. You know, I, and that's a scary place to be. Yeah. Suddenly you have to like defend this, even if you wanted to branch out yeah. and be like, Oh no, no, no. Like mm. I think I need some power training because all I've done is endurance and that's a problem. And someone's like, wait, you're training strength? I thought you're the endurance guy. You're like, oh no, I'm just warming up for more endurance work. I wouldn't know anything about being in that position. No. Yeah, it it leaves you in a funny place. Um, It's much better to just be the person who is willing to try things and who has a solid approach all the time because then you can, you feel a little freer, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. be open-minded, be curious, be like, you know, test things out, see, try them out long enough to see if they actually work. Yeah. And still use reasonable judgment. Don't try anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, it's kind of, it's almost rare to meet the people who they will genu- genuinely tell you. They're like, oh yeah, I tried this and it worked. And so I keep a moderate around like at a reasonable level and right. I see benefits from it. Yep. Like that that's a conversation I don't have very often. <laughs> like, you know, normally. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Like what's more common is, and I'm guilty of this. I'll be like, Oh, I, I know that works, but I don't really do it. And so I, but I do these things over here that I like. Yeah. Um, it's like, I know that 
I should work on flexibility more because it'd be beneficial. I climb with, when I climb with flex, flexible climbers, I'm like, oh, wow, that's, that's really useful. Like you can get in positions I can't <clears throat> and you can just own them. Um, yeah, there were, there were two times last night climbing with Brooke and Margot when I watched them do a move that I was like, oh yeah, I have no other options but to try it their way and I can't try it their way. Yeah. <laughs> There's just nothing else I can do, mm-hmm. you know? So I just don't have the hip mobility and flexibility that those two have and they put it to really good use. So yeah. something like flexibility I think is an excellent point because it is useful. We all know it's useful to some degree, but I don't want to be labeled a yogi or a, a you know, flexi zealot or whatever they're called. And I've had people approach me who are that, who are like, you should be doing this. This is what you need totally. in your training. And That's I'm like, you climb 5.11, don't tell me, mm-hmm. you know, even though I know to some degree they're right that that would be helpful for me mm-hmm. so so this just made me think of something and uh so we'll take this down a similar path to what we're doing but um i want to talk about the idea that we tend to overvalue the things that we're good at mm-hmm. um, or the things that specifically that we've worked on and that we've seen a lot of value at yeah i, th- I think we sometimes undervalue the things that come naturally to us Yep. But if there's things that we've worked on and we've gained from them, we tend to drastically overvalue them. Yeah, totally. Um, what are some times where you feel like you've seen that? Well, I mentioned in the, the PSA last week that that there was a time when I mentioned on Facebook that I could attribute all my success that season to the moon fingerboard. You know, and then several people went out, bought the moon fingerboard. And it wasn't as good for them as it was for me. Um, when I first started helping people train, it was all endurance because that's what I did, you know. And luckily, we were Red River Climbers and it was helpful. <laughs> and, and luckily, I realized the error in my ways within the first year or two of working with other people. I also you know exactly what you're talking about on the in the area of stretching or being flexible so many of the people who are already flexible really overvalue it and believe that this is the way and i heard someone once say if you go into a yoga class everyone in there who's already flexible is sitting in straddles, you know? And that's the one thing they don't need to be doing. They're they're already super flexible there. Why are they doing it? You know, they might have horrible shoulder mobility. They should be working on that. But even though they're in a class where the the purpose is to become more flexible, they still want to do the thing that's already easy for them. Totally. And and I think that's the case almost across the board far too often. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'll see this with, like, as an example, pe- for people who have, like, naturally strong fingers, 
they're like, oh, finger strength doesn't mean anything. It's just about being powerful. Right. Um, but there are people who like develop finger strength by a lot of hangboarding and they will tell you that's the only way forward. Yep. Um, Alex Magos, another example that I used in the PSA. He said, antagonist training. That's the best, best climbing tip you could ever have. Yeah. Which when you are as animalistically strong as he is. Yeah. Like he probably has to do a decent bit of antagonist just to balance everything out. And he has for a long time. Yeah. He's a well-rounded, well-oiled machine. Mm -hmm. Um, In a yellow shirt. And a yellow shirt, but not the only yellow, yellow shirt. Yellow lightning. Yellow lightning. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Um, so, as an example, there's a photo that Daniel Woods posted on Instagram mm-hmm. of him doing the crux move on realization, the red point move. Yep. Um, and it's a stab into a pocket. And I remember when I first saw this, it just jumped out at me so much. But here's the caption, the move, Ac- accuracy, conditions, body tension, finger strength, one arm power, all needed to be at 100% to make this possible. Sounds like a Daniel Woods description. Yes. <laughs> so the thing is, do you think Margo Hayes has stronger one arm power, stronger body tension, you know, better finger strength than Daniel Woods? Yeah. Like nah. few people in the world have better than that. Right, right. But it's this idea of really overvaluing your strength and saying like, well, clearly this is what I need. I just need to be able to pull a lot harder. Right. Um, you know, not to throw Daniel under the bus. It's something we're all guilty of, but that was absolutely, just, absolutely. to me, a very mm-hmm. like obvious example. No, I think that's a really good example, actually. Um, I wonder what you were furiously scrolling through your phone for. Tender. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll leave that alone. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, so specialization versus generalization, diversification, diversification. Um, yeah. So what about when you're vacations, what about when you, your home area or your home wall, you know, a lot of people get one angle. Oh yeah. Is that problematic? Is there a way to avoid that? Other than building an adjustable tension board? I mean, mm. you know, if you can't have perfection. <laughs> uh, um, but if your home area is one cliff, if you, all you have to climb on eight months of the year, nine months of the year is vertical granite. I say you got a pretty awesome season if you get nine months. Of it. <laughs> I wouldn't even complain at that point. Um <laughs> It depends what your goals are. If your goals are to never, if you never want to leave that stretch of rock, then maybe that's not such a bad thing. Like I still think there's a lot to be gained from other styles. Like I learned a lot about how to climb on sandstone by going to Smith or by climbing the monastery, which is granite. Like, and you know, you can definitely take a lot from different styles Um, to kind of reverse segue because last time we were talking about the pyramid, um, but if you build a pyramid all from one single style or one location, yeah, that's still specialization. And you see this all the time. You mm-hmm. see people who, you know, they only climb at one area or even when they travel, they only climb one style. Like they can just crush some vert crimps, yep. which is, that's a very common style to be specialized in. Like this technical yep. Yep. slide overhang anywhere from like five to 20 degrees overhanging 
20 degrees kind of steep for them. Um, like five to 15 degrees overhanging yep. crimp climbs. And there's a lot of people who just specialize in that and enough, there's enough rock out there to where you can just keep kind of doing that and, um, never really expand beyond it. But you know, and so it depends, like, is that all you ever want to be good at? Right. Like you can take it for a while. Like Seagrass used to be very much, that was his sole style. And when he would get on something steep, he would just get destroyed. Like when he would get on something powerful. Um, and he's done a great job of making himself more well-rounded. I mean, now. look at Paige. Paige came up and was known for her ability on vertical climbing. And then she went to flat anger and did Odin's, Odin's eye. eye. Yeah. It's all right, I guess. There's nothing vertical about that. No. So for me, that's a much better model. You're never going to be a well-rounded climber if if you're completely specializing. Um I've had I've had friends that their hardest climbs might be in their their preferred style or the style that they've spent most of their time on. But I get way more stoked for them. I'm way more proud of them when they step outside of that style. You know, we, we talked about Lee Smith in the last episode. Mm -hmm. Lee spent a lot of time and put a lot of effort into hard vertical climbing in the red, which sounds like an oxymoron. Yes. And, and then he, flipped it and went into the madness cave and spent a bunch of time in there. And I thought that was, that's, that's what growth looks like. Um, <clears throat> he, he did a lot of the things he wanted to do in a specific area. And then he, and then he expanded. Yeah. Which is um, awesome. And now he's trying the nothing, which is super bouldery do a big steep thing about as far from yeah. things like sugar magnolia as you can get. Yeah, totally. And I think that's, for me, that's way cooler to, to see. Totally. You know? And I think, you know, as just, as a climber, you get a lot of gratification out of, I know I do, out of climbing things that aren't my normal style. Yeah. Like, I get way more stoked when I climb something that is hard for me yep. than just something that's like another high number grade when it's like, well, yeah, of course I did that. It's my style. Yeah. Um, so what are some other things, I guess, like one thing that jumps out to me is when we look at training, you know, the thing that we talk about a lot on this podcast, mm -hmm. um, physical training is something that it's great. It's objective. I can tell using numbers, am I getting better or worse? And it can be really easy to fall into the trap of wanting to do more and more of that. Um, and there's been a classic rule of thumb forever with skill sports of saying that 75% of your time should be spent practicing the skill and 25% should be accessory strength work. Right. Um, and I'd say that's, you know, we all hear that. We're like, yeah, that makes sense. That's common sense. Like we're in a skill sport as much as, I mean, the sport is as much of a skill as like skateboarding yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yep. I think like, that's a good, good comparison. And so, yeah, it's like, okay, I'm going to work on being better. And you can easily go find climbers who are weaker than you, who can outperform you any day of the week. So clearly it's like, like strength, it's good. And it will keep you stronger and healthier and let you do more. It gives you more potential, but it's definitely not everything. So I think most people would agree. Yeah. Like 
75, 25, that's reasonable. Um, but the amount of emphasis and the amount of time that people spend, not only just doing, but thinking about their physical training. Like if you were to look at how much time people spend planning their physical training versus how much they plan their practice. People I'm, plan their practice. It's probably, yeah, God, no, they don't. It hurts my feelings. <laughs> I mean, it's probably like 95, five, like 95%. Yeah. Okay. This is the exact protocol I'm going to use for this. And this is what I'm going to do for this. And this is the kind of chart and sequencing I'm going to do for this. And this is, you know, they spend so much of their time and their energy and like their thought and what type of it into, periodization. And, yes. Yeah. They put all this energy into the 25%. Yeah. That's like, okay, that's cool. Like nail that down, get it well. Then let's worry about the other 75%. Yeah. But that rarely happens. And I, th I think you're right there. Um, and I've thought about this for a long time. You know, I've got several climbing partners and friends who, who I think their biggest glaring weaknesses are that they need to spend more time on their practice. Mm -hmm. They're pretty damn good at working out. Um, Some people are amazing at working yeah, out. Yeah, they're really good at it. Um, but then they can't take all that strength that they've developed and apply it. Mm -hmm. And that requires concentrated effort to learn how to do. It takes practice to learn how to do it. Every other sport on the planet does it. For some reason, we think we go in, we deadlift two times body weight, and it just automatically applies. I suddenly have body tension. Yeah. My feet just know what to do with yep. all that extra strength. And that's not the case. Um, and I think it's a, it's a bit of a epidemic is too strong a word, but <laughs> plague, maybe not strong <laughs> enough. The scourge of, <laughs> no, I think that talking, climbing, training through the years no one has come up with a good way to talk about practice. You can go back as far as you want. You can look in as many, as many places as you want. And the smartest, best coaches and trainers are saying, practice your technique. Now let's talk about all the different hangboarding protocols and you know, let's talk about which type of periodization you're going to use and let's talk about your set and rep schemes and, oh yeah, practice your technique. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Um, well, or, yeah. and also what they'll do is, and this is something that kind of uh, grinds my gears a little get, bit, is they get very prescriptive with technique. Right, right, like, right. You know, this is something we've talked about in the past is like there are no there are no hard and fast rules when it comes to technique. Like mm -hmm. whatever gets you up the wall the most effectively and efficiently, yeah. that's good <clears throat> technique. I don't care if that's you campusing. If that's the most effective and efficient way, yep. then that's better than you looking like Francois Legrand, drop kneeing, you know, do south for every single move. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's straight arming and twisting through every single move. That's not good technique. That right. for some things it is, yep, but totally. for a lot of times it's terrible technique. Yep. Um, and so it's tough because technique is this kind of nebulous thing and it is 
all about self-analysis and thinking through the process and understanding yourself. Right. Um, and so it is tough. Yeah. I mean, we've, what is, these will probably be like the hundredth hour of podcasting and, you know, we've been struggling with this, how to convey it, how to communicate it and how to get the point across. And, and we still see, we still have difficulty with it, you know, and you and I have spent a lot more than the hundred hours that this podcast has. Oh yeah. Discussing how do we talk about this? How do we communicate it? How do we get our point across to an audience who's just been told, practice your technique. Oh, and footwork. Practice footwork. Oh yeah. Work on your footwork. And then over here on this hangboard is where all the details matter. Boom. They don't they don't matter over here. You just need to practice it. You know, that's pretty much what they've been told. Anyway, I think we're getting off the topic here. Mm-hmm. We're about to start a rant. About to. <laughs> so do you think it's possible, and I think we've already answered this, but specializing within one of the disciplines even further, do you think there's a good time for that? Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, like if you're a, we were just talking about if you're a sport climber, you only climb on crimpy sport routes. You know, that's that's what your specialty is. That's what you, you're good at. That's what people know you as. Is there a time when you shouldn't branch out from that? Yeah, I'd say if you have a goal that's relevant and coming up, like if I want to go do to Boulder not to be, you know I'm about to go climb a bunch of vert cramp lines. You're not going in the Manus Cave no, to train for ooh, that? <clears throat> God, that would be awful. You know what's actually... It would be a rude awakening. You know what's hilarious is I was climbing, I went out to Smith and just for fun, I was like, I'm going to bolt a bolt up to Boulder not to be because I just want to see what it's about. And I was climbing with a local out there and I got halfway up and he was just like, ain't no Omaha beach, is it? I was just like, you fucker. <laughs> oh man, it was to no. To bolt to bolt or not to be? It was, yeah, to bolt to bolt, God. Um, it was not Omaha beach, turns out. No. Yeah, weird. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you have something that's very specific, I'm going to go to uh, Vorlopsy and go climb speed. Like, pff, yeah, I'm going to be climbing all the vert crimps. Yeah. I had a client a while ago who in their consultation form straight up said, I have zero interest in ever climbing hard on vertical terrain or on slabby terrain. So I don't want to do it at all. (laughs) And I was like, well, I can't really argue with you there. However, there's going to come a day when you get through the 13 plus crux of your steep project and you fall off the 512 slab finish and you're going to be really pissed off that you didn't spend any time climbing on vert. Oh man, I have a friend who's going to be so sad to hear that. <laughs> a buddy of mine, Chad, recently was like, so Nate, like an all comp, like, yeah. He's just like, seriously, how much should I care about slab? Like, I, I, I mean, I can do it. I get it. I can, I can slab climb. It's a thing, and but should I do I have to work on it? 
And I was like, I don't know. I mean, how often do you come across slab cruxes on your projects? Like, do they stop you? He's like, I mean, no, but I think it's a thing, right? Slab's a thing. And I was like, ah. And I mean, and the, the thing is that it's tough is slab in the gym is very different from slab outside. Yeah, slab totally. in the gym is like weird slopers and yeah. like a good hard slab from outside would be just horrible terrible thing in the gym it's like oh cool i'm gonna like fingernail crimp my way up this thing like people Mm -hmm. would be pissed um so yeah it's it's one of those things like it's like uh like how much time do you really need to put in like if you're going to the vrg and you need to go climb like 15 foot runouts on slab where all you can hear is like i-75 traffic (laughs) maybe dial in that slab technique a little bit yeah work those shadow matches yep yeah, and that's the thing. I don't think, I certainly wouldn't say we should totally diversify and, you know, you get you have no interest in vertical or slabby climbing. However, we should be doing everything. You should be trying finger cracks and off I would never tell anyone to go do yeah, off no. But you should be diversifying completely. I would never say that. But I also understand that his goals it's going to be very tough to find the goals that are only steep climbing. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at Ghost Dance in the Sweat Lodge, which is a hard steep climb, and then you turn that lip. Got a little bit of red point crux up and there, and it's kind of it's kind of heady up there. The clip is hard. It's it's Slab vertical, slappy. Yeah, it's not. You're not very comfortable, mm-hmm. and. When I did that rock climb, I was very nervous of falling up there. You know, luckily I had enough experience on run out, scary, vertical, slabby climbing that I could keep it together. But if you were pumped up there and didn't keep it together, that may be the spot where you can never get past. Oh, that'd be so sad. And that would suck. Yeah. To, to fall off the 12A finish of your 13C project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think what you're trying to say is we don't have to be fully diversified, be able to do absolutely anything that comes in our way, but there is a level of good enough. Yeah, yep. Yeah, Yeah. and that's, I feel the same. I mean, this goes with everything from nutrition to sleep to your physical training to all these things. Like, man, if you can just hit good enough, on everything and just say like, oh, but I really like climbing powerfully on steep stuff and, you know, training fingers or like, you know, you have a few little things that you enjoy, but everything else, you're at least hitting the bare minimum. You're going to be a damn good rock climber. Well, it's funny that when you say good enough, it sounds like a negative thing. You know, that wasn't the inflection. I was No, no, no. I just, whenever, (laughs) when anyone says, oh, that's good enough. It sounds like, oh yeah, but I could do better. But why why do you need to it's like grades you know a c sounds like a bad thing but that's average (laughs) that's what i mean that's what most people get so be okay with it and be okay with good enough yeah i mean and that's just that there's so many aspects in climbing and just in sport in general like if you can have a good enough lead head to where it's like yeah you're not alex honnold and you're not just like Adam Andra of just like skipping bolts to where you're going to ground fall in the crux <laughs> yeah. on pure imagination, like, and things like that. Why are you skipping the third and fourth bolt, Adam? That's terrifying. 
But you know, you don't have to have that. But if you can just like climb with a moderate level of confidence above a bolt, like cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Like yep. you don't need to be the most bold climber ever, but if you can just hit bare minimum with everything, you will be incredible. Yeah. Like even most of the best climbers I've met have huge gaps, huge weaknesses where you're like, oh wow, like, you know, they did a great job of covering this, but like this is still a big weakness. Like yep. there's only a handful <clears throat> of people and they are like the best of the best that I've ever met or seen that have really covered all the bases. Yeah. Where it's hard to come up with something they should be working on. Exactly. Yeah. And the other the other point to that would be be very wary of extreme specialization especially in rock climbing you know we like to talk about how rock climbing is this really diverse sport it requires so many techniques and you know it's so much more complicated than baseball or football but then you want to oh i only climb steep cramps hmm. you know well someday you're going to get hit with a sloper and you're going to be like, well, if that sloper wasn't there, I could do this. But the sloper's there, so you're fucked. And you can't have it both ways. You can't have rock climbing being this super complicated sport that you love. And also, I'm only going to focus on one thing and be a rock, good rock climber. Yeah, I mean, if I have strong hands and if everything feels like a jug, then it's all going to be easy. It's like, right. let me just go ahead and say that is a giant fallacy. <laughs> Like, great example, two years ago, I was climbing in the park with Jonathan Segrist, and we had gone up to a boulder up in, like, super upper chaos, and then we're hiking down, and I was like, oh, I want to go check out this thing called Eternia, and we both go to it, and we're looking at it, and it's like this big 25-foot roof, and I kind of look at him, he looks at me, and we're like, okay, we're just going to both flash this thing and get going, I guess, because it's jugs. It's a V11 roof. Every single hold on it is a jug. Mm-hmm. Like, and we were just like, uh, yeah, okay, cool. Like, I guess we'll just do this. They're all pretty much all underclings. It's remarkable that you can climb 25 feet of roof undercling. Right. Um, but yeah, it's a V11 jug haul. It's still hard. Like, it took us a surprising amount of time. Like, it ended up taking us like two hours to do this jug haul. Right. But I mean, that's very common. Like, you can go climb like V10, V11, V12, climbing on enormous holds. Pretty good holds. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Hand strength is not the limiting factor when yep. you're on something like this. Yep. Um, and man, you see it all the time. Like, I'm not a fan of throwing out absolutes, but like, if you can one arm dead hang a one pad edge for five seconds and you don't climb V10, you're good. Like, go rock climb, learn how to move. Yep. Like, you've got that box checked. Yeah. You don't need to worry about training your finger strength anymore. Yeah. Like, and that's just it. Like, there are. And that's an oversimplification of saying totally. that what makes a good rock climber is strong fingers, strong core, and a strong shoulders. It's like, man, I've met people with all three of those who are garbage rock climbers. And I've met people who have none of those Absolutely. who could just climb circles around any of us. Yep, totally. <clears throat> yeah, it's a complicated sport, so you might as well diversify. Yeah. You know, I think at least to some degree, that's a really smart way to approach things and what about in your training um how much should you be diversifying in your training in your opinion and i know that's a really really broad question but um if you have a big goal Mm -hmm. 
Should all of your training be geared toward that goal? Oh, I see where you're going with this. Uh, no. Like, so this is, this is definitely something that, I'm uh, curious where I'm going with this too. I, <laughs> I'll let you, I'll let you know where you're going. So early specialization in a project, I think is a massive misstep that people take. Like they're like, oh man, I want to get my first V6 or not even that. I want to get my first V11. I'm going to, I'm going to have a trainer. Everything I do is going to be set for this exact thing. It's right. it's like they're trying to be like Adam Andra on silence. Like, okay, I need, like, because he talked about it. He had to train his oblique specially. He needed to. Yeah, it's an incredible video watching him do that stuff. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, wait, he did like 55 15s before he did that. Right. And over 100 roots 9A and harder on his way to get 49 there. 49 15s. 49 15s. Yeah. I said almost 50. <laughs> but I mean, he's what? I think he's done like something close to 800, 514s. Uh, I think it was six something. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, he's know. only done got only the like, numbers here somewhere. He's done only like 600, 514s. Step it up. So what I'm saying is he's earned the right to specialize. Right. Like, he and is, it's for the hardest rock climb in the world. Yes. He is allowed to prioritize calf training. <laughs> like, I'm going to fucking <laughs> throttle someone the next time I read do calf training on like Facebook or Instagram. Cause I've read it like 15 times in the last year since like he said that, Oh, Klaus told me I should be doing specialized calf training for these knee bars. Oh man. And it's like, you know, I don't think you need to do specialized calf training for your like 13 C project. Like that's right. probably not what's holding you back. Right. Um, you know, so specialization, I think to a degree, you know, if you're going to climb steep slopers, climb some steep slopers. Yeah. But I don't think you need to make everything identical yep. to what you're going to project. Also, that's a really easy way to overtrain. Um, totally. I mean, it's the same flaw that a lot of people have when they pick one project outside, and they only go to it. It's like, oh, it has like a really hard shoulder move. It's like, well, suddenly your shoulder is only doing that move all the time. It's, there's a good chance it's going to get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even on something like four by fours or power endurance work, which is often ends or is often one of the last things people are doing before it's performance time. Mm -hmm. Even in those cases, I'm like two of your problems should probably be similar to what you're planning on climbing on soon, you know, but you don't have to set a simulator and, you know, a simulator for the bottom, a simulator for the middle a simulator for the top. And, you know, you don't have to do all that. You, what you need, your your body has no idea that you're doing the same moves or not when it's developing these physical attributes. And you're going to get the fitness for those specific moves when you get back to the project. You know, Joe Kender's article that you put in the newsletter today, uh, the interview with him, I believe, in Project Magazine, is that where it was? Yes. <clears throat> he had a really great point when he talks about he comes into a project sort of at the end of his training and and finishes his training on that project, you know, learning that project. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great way to do it as opposed to all of my training is focused on this one very small, very slim goal. And, and I'm not... I'm not going to build my other athleticism, my other attributes. 
Totally. <clears throat> I mean, because the thing is, once you send that one thing that you train yeah. for, it's yeah. like, what well, happens after that? Well, yeah, what else are you initiate for? Nothing. Yeah. Um, that's it. Man, I've set so many trainers for like specific moves. Like, I think simulating a single move or like if you do struggle to understand something, yeah, train for it. Yeah. But just don't go <clears> overboard. <throat> like, you don't, if you're on a route that has like a six bolt 511 intro, you don't need to mimic the 511 intro. Right. Like, and if it's move. a movement issue, like if you don't quite understand the movement yet, a simulator can be great. Mm hmm. If it's that you lack finger strength to hold on to the crux hold, then maybe a simulator isn't the best idea. You know, maybe you could be a little more efficient by working on finger strength a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I think that's about all I have to say about this. Um, you know, this idea of I'm going to make my my this big goal and train for that gets people into a lot of trouble i think Um, especially when your goals are big because there's a tendency to look to the people who've done who've completed those goals Mm -hmm. and say i'm going to do what they're doing totally and you know i mean that's that's the topic of our next conversation so think we should just cut this off and refill beers and start over again we're going to talk about training where you are versus where you want to be and i think that's a pretty important topic so in the meantime until tomorrow um you know where to find us the facebook's the instagram's at power company climbing you can find us on the interwebs at powercompanyclimbing.com and uh, you can probably find us on the Twitter because all of you are sharing us there I know you are but you won't actually find us there because we don't tweet we scream like eagles this time, 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 this